You're listening to the podcast of Real Life Church. We love, we live, we relate. Jesus, you are my king and we are part of a kingdom. And friends, I just want to remind us this morning that we are not just citizens of Douglasdale, of Santon, of Sunny Hill, of Paulsall, of Melville, of wherever the case may be, of Chartwell, of Johannesburg. More than that, friends, and this, and this is my encouragement, that we eat, live, have our being as supernatural beings, living in a supernatural environment. And I want you to encourage us, I want you to say, to everyone, won't you step out? Won't you rise up a little bit more into all that God's called you to be? Let's adopt a greater atmosphere, a greater desire to be courageous and adventurous in what God's got in store for us. Even in our terminology, what is God saying to you? Let, Father, won't you allow the prophets to rise up and to bring a call and a clarity to the new season, to the next season? Won't you allow the, the, the pastors to rise up and love us into the next season and the new season? Won't you allow the teachers to manifest and new season is all about? Won't you allow us to, to be able to, to grow in our capacity, in our vision? No, even as, as we're seeing this morning, and I've lost my, 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 my words, but you know, um, th- uh, through you the blind will see, through you the mute will sing. Father, it's not just that we want earthly sight. You know, there's something far more godly, far more important when people's spiritual eyes open up. You know, we go into communities and we want, we want physical eyes to open. We want the physically deaf to hear. But how much more important is it when people have never heard the voice of God suddenly hear the voice of God? Isn't it just so much more important and exciting when people who have never seen Jesus see Him for the first time? And friends, I think so often we, we, we hunger and we thirst and we want the physical manifestations. And I'm saying as a group of friends, let's chase after, let's hunt down the supernatural manifestations that are so much more important than an earthly realm. Even in charismatic church, we see and we hunger after something in a physical realm. And I love that. I want that. But I don't want to settle for that. I want something far more than that. Oh, Father, won't you allow us yet? You know, Ali in the prayer meeting this morning was reminding us that we are ambassadors. And the one thing that never changes is our king. We have different presidents across the sea. We have different prime ministers across the, across the channel. We have, we have elections and things change. We get into elections in three weeks time in South Africa. All those things change. But the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords never ever changes. And countries change their ambassadors and country. And I haven't even started my introduction. And countries change their ambassadors and recall ambassadors and do all those things. But Jesus never recalls his ambassadors. Jesus sends his ambassadors, you and me, out to go and bring the kingdom of heaven to a world that desperately needs it. 
friends, you and I, above and beyond being believers, above and beyond being moms and dads and daughters and sons and aunties and uncles and, and deacons and home group setups and, and set down and hosting teams and baking teams. And I just love the samosa and Burbos roll teams and, and all those things. But more than that, friends, you are ambassadors of the King of Kings and the, the Lord of, of Lords. Oh, uh, but da, 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 da. Uh, where's oh babe please would you um find me one of my business cards either in my desk or in my car um fantastic i want to i want to come back to to that in a moment although maybe by that time it's going to be um i would have moved on you know I, oh, da, 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 da. you know the, the reality is we, we need to wake up to even some of the small prophetic words. You know, we, as, as I said, we, I, I had a meeting with some folk a couple of weeks ago and we were all sharing and doing some things. And one person in the meeting said something that just triggered what I'm after at the moment. And so sometimes you just need a clarity of call. In all the, the static that's out there, we just need to be reminded, God, what is it that you've called me to? Amy was saying in the prayer meeting this morning that, that we need to be open to God changing directions. I'm saying to you, God is changing direction. You cannot be on the same journey, on the same path, doing the same thing, year in and year out and season and year, and then it just doesn't work like that. God is a God of growth. God is a God of maturity. And if you're doing the same thing the same way this year that you did the last year that you did in 2014 and 2004, I want to suggest to you that you possibly have got something wrong. That you're not hearing the voice of God. You know, our faith should be challenging. If you are not challenged by your faith, you are in a place of mediocrity and boringness. You are in a place of stagnation. If your faith and your relationship with God doesn't make you somewhat uncomfortable, I would suggest that you need to inject some faith and life into your relationship with Jesus. Because He wants you to grow. He wants you to wake up. He wants you to manifest. He wants to take you into areas in ways that you have never gone before. I'm a news junkie and I say that with a sense of repentance because I'm addicted. One of my addictions is news. And I'll just watch the news and I see it amazing. Like even Clarissa, one of the CNN news reporters, this beautiful blonde-haired lady who is living in Kabul at the moment in, in Afghanistan. And she's out there. I'm going, how on earth does a lady like that become a war reporter in a city and an environment like that? And I want you to say to all of us, how do you become a war reporter? How do you go into our city of ruins? How do you go into our places of spiritual warfare? You should be going in there. I should be going in there. We should be going in there and saying, I am a reporter. I'm here reporting on the good news and bringing something of the kingdom of God into it. And now I'll move on out of my, 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 my tangent for a moment. And so I started to share about the currency of clarity. And clarity for me isn't, a, isn't that we all have it all together. For me, clarity isn't that it, it, it looks clear, that we know what's going on. I, I would suggest I never know what's going on. But I kind of have an inclination of where I'm going. Because as soon as I know what's going on, then God moves me into new uncharted territory and new, and new waters. So I have a sense of, Lord, I think I know what I'm doing this week, but I have no idea what I'm doing next month. 
you know, but as long as I know what I'm doing today, it's okay, because, because what you're doing for me in the seasons to come, I'm still going to get there. So when I'm talking about a clarity of call and a clarity of purpose, I'm not saying we need to have all of our goods together. We, we, we don't have to understand it all, but the clarity is to say, I know who I am. I know whose I am. And when I know whose I am, I know whose I am, I know what I'm doing. I don't have to have all the detail because he does have all the detail. I just need to be willing to hear and to see what it is that he is doing and take us on a journey with him. And so it's about time, friends, that we rise up and we say, let's, be, let's, let's hear the trumpet call and let's go into the war zone. Let's take our ambassadorial ship. And go in and say, Jesus, won't you do in us what needs to happen? And friends, the challenge with that, oh, I'm not even going to get a page two today. The challenge with that is that it's a personal preparation. I've got to prepare to go into the war zone. You know, even like, you know, um, letting the cat out the bag is, you know, of my family online, you know. I said last week, as soon as I'm off the red list, I'm going over to go spend some time with my family. And so I provisionally looked at dates and everything. And then yesterday I was saying, okay, I'm going to go and like book a ticket or do something. Because I provisionally looked at my options. And, and then yesterday I got home from outreach working with the, with, with the people under the M1 bridge. And I said, hey, I'm just going to have a half an hour nap before I, I go to, to book my ticket. And two hours later I woke up and the, and the, um, the, the travel agents were closed. So hopefully today I'll get it. But the reality is if I want to go into a foreign country, into a foreign nation, I've got to get my paperwork in order. I've got to get my ticket. I've got to get my passport. And for us, for instance, saying, I want, I'm, there's some things that we need to get together. We can't go into a promised land. We can't go into a warfare. We can't go into our city. We can't go into our neighborhood and things like that if we aren't prepared. Because why? You will just be burnt up, spat out and discarded. And so what happens is we say, oh Lord, what is it that you need to prepare in my life so that I can go and be the blessing, thank you, that you've called me, that you've called me to? Because friends, we can often say, won't the church rise up and do things? And my biggest pet annoyance is when people say, oh my goodness, the church doesn't do things. I'm going, well, why don't you do something? You know, or, or we don't take personal responsibility. But friends, if you and I, if we get behind this together, you know, Jesus took 12 people. I'm saying, let me take 30 people. And if we can do half of what Jesus did, but we should be able to. Jesus says, we can do more than what he did. And we out of a sense of holy reverence, oh Jesus, if I can just eat the crumbs under your table. But Jesus says, no, stew my brew. I want you and your community and your family to go and do more than what I did. And friends, this is a season where the church needs to rise up and we can, and go, can go and do more, but we need to be willing and ready to change what it looks like, how we do it, what our comfort zones is. We need to go and walk on water. I've got business cards that I made a while, a while back. And so on my business card, it says, uh, Stuart Stephen Real Life Church. And it's got my telephone number and Alison's mobile number. I'm clever. My email address, Allison's telephone number. And it says, this is my job description. Spiritual junkie. Leader, apostle, friend, ambassador, healing technician. Lover of my best friend's bride. Now, when I give these to the non-saved, they always go, huh? 
Husband, dad, life coach, scholar, warrior, gatekeeper, fighter, visionary, financial emancipator, resurrection practitioner, and philosopher. Oh Lord, won't you let me be some of what I claim to, to be? But we've got to start thinking outside the box. You are not just, you know, I could have just put on here pastor. It would have probably been a lot, it wouldn't probably been genuine because I'm, I'm not very pastoral, you know. But, but I said, actually, no, Lord, I want to be a warrior. I want to be an ambassador. I want to be a, a gatekeeper. I want to be a resurrection practitioner. I want to be a worship collector of notes. Oh Lord. <laughs> oh come Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Just put them all in a all in a pile and we'll ask for clarity later. But friends I've been speaking to some pastors or, or whatever people who lead churches are called. Uh, what do we call ourselves? You know, like, why do we call ourselves a pastor if we're not a pastor? You know, um, we, we leader. <laughs> I won't say anything. D depends where we're leading people, hey. But I'm saying, actually, Holy Spirit, we, we, we want something new, but what does it look like? And as soon as I start chatting to people, I even start to come up with, actually, no, we, we need a little bit of a comfort blanket here. If we don't do Sunday morning that looks like this, and our, our difference is that we do it underneath the trees and outside. But if we don't do this, then, then where do visitors come and hang up their coat? If we don't, if we don't do this, where, you know, and, and then you start thinking, well, why do they have to have a coat to hang up? You know? But we have to start to say, actually, how do we do it? And I don't have the answers, but I have a sense of direction. I'm wanting us to go into a place that we've never done before, where church looks like something that has never looked like before. I'm not saying it has to be totally different. I'm just saying it has to be refreshingly relevant to our culture and to our King. I'm sharing from Nehemiah. I believe that God is leading the church into a season of clarity, a season of clarity that leads to creativity, creativity that leads to compassion. The creativity of what took place with the ladies under the M1 bridge yesterday brought out a spirit of compassion. The creativity, the beauty of the invites, Marlene, the, the baking, Joan and granddaughters, the, the gift packs, the face cloths, the creativity of all of that allowed us to be able to move in and bring a spirit and a heart of compassion. And the compassion that we brought to those ladies allowed those ladies under the M1 bridge to rise up with a sense of courage. I am a woman. I am powerful. I am loved. No matter what people or my community or the men or the role models of my life have said to me, those ladies yesterday felt a sense of courage. They rose up and they were able to say, some of them for the first time in a long time, I am a lady who is loved. I am a lady of worth. I am a lady of beauty and I can be a powerful lady. 
And when we have a sense of compassion, that compassion leads to courage, that courage leads to clout. And clout is influence in our community. We can influence our communities when we have clout from compassion and courage. Not just clout from a bombastic sense of I know what's happening and you don't. And I think too often, even as leaders and even as churches, we go in with a bombastic sense of clout that I have the solutions, that I have the way, that I have everything, and it's either my way or the highway. The reality is that's not right. We have Jesus, and it's His way and not our way. And hopefully we are in tandem because of who we are in Him, that we are taking Jesus and not our model or our mission, or our mandate, or our preference into the communities that we go to. Nehemiah walks around his desolate ruins in the city that he's in, and God puts his hand on Nehemiah, and God puts his hand on a group of people in the city, and they become the answers, they become the rebuilders. Friends, won't you join with me as a church in this community and say, we choose to be the solution. We choose to walk in the ruins, we cannot understand and have compassion for our city unless we go and walk in our city. And I want to apologize. So often I don't walk in your shoes. I don't understand your story. I don't understand your journey. And I expect you to behave in a certain way. And friends, when we walk and we understand one another's stories, we have compassion and we have the heart and the creativity and the clout of kingdom to be able to go and to make changes and to do things. And that comes through worship, through prayer and community. It's in worship, it's in prayer, and it is in community that we get a sense of mission and mandate for our city and to renew and to rebuild and to repurpose some of the walls in our city. You cannot do it on your own. God, I, I'm tempted to say God will never use you to build your city if you think you can do it on your own. As I said before, you and Jesus on your own is the beginning of a cult. There, I've said it again. There's a deconstruction that has taken place over the past two years. So that a reconstruction, a renewal and a realignment a restoration of kingdom and king can take place. And friends, this is going to and must happen in so many different aspects. But we can't say that the church is immune to the changes that God is doing around the world at the moment. We've been under siege from a pandemic and a virus. But all things can be used to the good of those who love Him. But it doesn't mean we go into hibernation and isolation. But it does say, Jesus, how do we come out of this cocoon as a butterfly and not stay as a worm? How do we come out of this cocoon and be able to be attractive to the people out there and not just be something that's old-fashioned and repugnant? Father, how do we come out of our cocoon and fly rather than continue to walk on the ground and have a one-dimensional view of things? We need to continue to be a people of God's presence. In Proverbs 29 verse 18, where people cannot see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when we attend to what God is doing and what God reveals, we are most fulfilled. Friends, how long have I been going for? Please, please someone, someone who's honest. 
So I, I want to say, even if we are in baby steps as a prophetic people, let's rather step out in baby steps and do something than wait for the prophetic head honchos to come in. Because if we wait for them, we'll do, do nothing. Let's the, let, the, let the prophetic voices, Brichy, stand up and prophesy. Candace, prophesy. John, Ero, Ina, Marlene, all of you, stand up and prophesy. You know, how, we, we, we can't wait for somebody from overseas to rise up and tell us what we as a community in Johannesburg in South Africa and in this community can do. God's talking to us. God's talking to you and me. Let's rise up and hear the voice of God and say, how do we do this together? Even if it takes us a long time to get there, let's start the navigation process and start to adjust direction and course as we should be. I would sense that God wants us to contend for this next season. It's something we're going to fight for. It's something we're going to contend for. It's something we're going to go to warfare for. Father, how do we go to warfare to contend for things that you have in store for us? Because it's so easy to not do anything. It's so easy to stay in neutral. It's so easy to stay in the status quo than to fight and contend for the new of what Holy Spirit is doing. And Nehemiah is walking through rooms and it's a thousand years after Moses and 400 years before Jesus. And it's one of the most confusing and disappointing times in Israel's history. And I would suggest that even the past two years have created in our cities and our communities a confusing and a disappointing and, 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 um, time and environment. Israel has been in captivity for 70 years. They've been in exile. And after 70 years of captivity, the Persians overthrow the Babylonian Empire. And, see, uh, and Cyrus, the Persian king, allows the Jews to come back to Jerusalem. And he allows the Jews to come back to Jerusalem. But out of the 3 million Jews that were taken into capacity, only 500,000 came back. Only 2% decided that they're going to dream about the things that can be. And what I'm suggesting is that even in the church, and I'm not knocking the church, I love the church, but some of our terminology, it's just easier to say the church and to try and to justify what I'm saying. So Lord, friends, won't you just hear my heart? I'm not knocking anybody as much as I'm wanting to build something. But out of the three million Jews that went into exile, only 50,000 came back. Of all the churches, of all the believers that went into lockdown two years ago, I would suggest that only a small portion or percentage of them are coming back. Out of all the people that went into lockdown, only a small percentage are saying, I am free. I'm fed up with my exile. I want to come back to what God has called me to and to so much more. And there's a few of us that are saying, I'm coming out of exile. I want the freedom. I want the manifestation. I want the new. I want the restoration. I want to come and rebuild what God is rebuilding and not just be part of the 98% who are going to stay where they are and never move forward. I believe many in the church are choosing to stay in the exile. Friends, there is a warfare going on, a warfare for purpose and for clarity, a war for the future, a war for souls. This isn't just about church. Actually, this has got nothing to do with church. This has got to say, Jesus, I want to contend 
for the lost. I want to contend for the lonely. I'm wanting to contend for the sick. I'm wanting to contend for those who can't see and can't hear and can't walk. I'm wanting to contend for the mute. But it's not just the physical realm because with all due respect, there's so many other people that may be able to do that better than we can. But we can contend for the supernatural and spiritual realm. Oh, Father, where you've got charities and NPOs that can go and feed people, we want to go and give them the bread of life. Where doctors and medicine and all of those can go and do cataract operations and give people sight. Father, we want to go give people sight that is pure and kindred and godly and everlasting. We just don't want people to see the ruins and the frustrations and the situations, circumstances around them. We want people to see Jesus and see hope and a life and an identity that has changed and transformed. Our vision is that for souls and not just for small things around us. It's a war for clarity. Oh, where was I? Zerubbabel leads the first movement of Jews back from exile to rebuild the temple. And the first thing God does is put vision and clarity in them to rebuild the temple. Why were they rebuilding the temple? Friends, they were rebuilding the temple because for them this was the place that God dwelt. We cannot understand what the temple meant to the Jews in those days and the significance and the importance of what it was because that was where God was. But friends, for us, we don't rebuild the church because that is where God meets. We build lives because that's where the presence of God is. This was the place that God had chosen to live on the earth. And it was the very center of God's presence on the earth. And friends, if we, we go into a poor theology, a poor thinking, if we think we need to build, build church because that's where God is, that's not where God hangs around. We are building a new temple, and that new temple is a kingdom of God. That new temple is people, because of the divine union that God has with people. That is our focus. It's not building something a brick and mortar. It's, bringing, it's, it's building people and seeing the presence of God manifest and live in, the, in people. And so to, to, to rebuild the temple in those days, we say, Jesus or God, we want you to come and to be and a geographical we want you to come and be where you were last year where you were before and friends that's not what we're on about that's not what we call to we're not called to to rebuild a temple we're not called to rebuild a model or a movement or a mission we call to be a demonstration we call to sort and to and to understand who we are because we are the temple of Holy Spirit and of God. And we get to take the presence of God into all those most amazing places around us. What, uh, and friends, they got frustrated. Because they had rebuilt this temple and they wanted God to come and manifest in the way that he used to. And he didn't. God didn't show up and do the same things he did in the past. There was, it was nothing like the former glory. And friends, if you and I want God to do the same things as he did last year, we have a poor expectation on God. I don't want the former glory. 
I don't want the Lakeland Revival. I don't want the Pensacola, whatever it may be. I want the new. Father, what is it that you are doing? And friends, if we want the new of God, we've got to say that we carry the presence of God. Let's build something where the presence of God is manifest. And that is not a building, and that is not a steeple, and that is not a temple. That's a group of believers, of Jesus followers, who choosing to say, I'm wanting to be an ambassador. That we take the presence of God into M1. We take the presence of God into Alex. We take the presence of God into our buildings, into our work, like Ina said earlier on. And that is a beauty. Where you go, the presence of God must go. And where the presence of God is, there must be a manifestation and lives change and transformed. And I'm not going to get anywhere near, near finishing, but I, I need to just like land this a bit. And so even over these years, even with Ezra, who, who came in to, to change worship, all sorts of, of um, confusion crept in because the leaders started to make up rules in order to be pure and perfect. They started to make up rules that for, for purity of God about divorce and, and, and separation, all these things. I don't want to go on a tangent about that now. But the reality is the leaders made mistakes. The leaders said things that were not from God and the people obeyed because a leader had said something not because it was something that God had done. And there's huge disunity in the community. And I would suggest that even now, I'm not saying we were unified two years ago, but I'm just saying that there's huge disunity in the community. There's huge disunity among so many people where there shouldn't be disunity. And a hundred years of this, then Nehemiah comes on the scene. Nehemiah comes to a community that's polarized, divisive, disillusioned, discouraged, disappointed. This is the season of the city and the nation around them. Maybe that is something of our city, of our community, be it our um, estate, our community, our work, our family, a sense of polarization, division, disillusionment, discouragement, disappointment. And all these hopes are triggered by the return of some people a return of 2% of the people who choose not to remain captive but want to move into rebuilding something that God is in. And none of it looked like what the prophets had prophesied it was going to look like. And that's where some of the frustration came in. Because the prophets had prophesied that the temple would be rebuilt, that the presence of God would come and that the nations and the people would be unified. And when it wasn't, they were miffed. And I'm saying, friends, God has not called us to build a temple. He's called us to build a kingdom. God doesn't want us to rebuild the walls of the past. He wants us to renew the things for the future. And as we do that, hope is going to rise. And I believe that the Nehemiah story is an example for us of what God wants to do in us. But we are not rebuilding a brick and mortar. We are rebuilding a heart and soul. The King of Kings chooses to abide in you and me, not in a brick and mortar. There's a new way. There's a new building in the virtue commas. 
Won't you stand with me, please? Holy Spirit, I don't want us just to be a passionate people. I want us to be a people of power, of positioning, of influence. Lord, won't you do something in us that gives us a sense, and even for me and for, for leaders around, our, around the world, a sense that it's okay you have a deconstruction so we can build up something different not so we can deconstruct to build the same but you're doing something new help us understand what it is give us a glimpse of what it is even if it just gets us out of the starting block if it's something that just gets us into the vehicle of the Holy Spirit give us a sense of a little bit of momentum so that that momentum will carry us into something new. Holy Spirit, won't you allow each and every one of us to take personal responsibility for how this looks and what it looks like? As we said in the prayer meeting early on, that we open ourselves up as a, as a piece of clay to the potter's hands. Where there are bubbles in our clay, won't you remove them? Because otherwise, when we come close to the furnace, we will explode and crack and break. Holy Spirit, I get anxious. I get a knot in my stomach when I think of the possibilities that you have for us. I get a knot in my stomach with the fear of letting go of the old. But you've called us to leave and to cleave. You're a God of movement, a God of new things, a God of creativity. Let us follow you, Jesus, above all else. Won't you give us an understanding of the creativity of what a new, fresh, authentic and relevant church community looks like. And how we can navigate that together. Father, won't you give us a supernatural sense of commitment rather than convenience? Because convenience keeps us to the old and commitment and covenant and community brings us to the creative of the new. We love you, Jesus. But we want to love your people. We want to love your bride. We want them to see you, to know you, to love you. We want signs, wonders and miracles that are in the natural, but we want a transformation of hearts and spirits in the supernatural. And Father, I just declare a supernatural blessing over Amy for her birthday this week, for Martin for his birthday this week. And Ella's birthday this week, as, as those birthdays last week, Ella's birthday this coming week. 
Lord Jesus, I thank you for Real Life Church. I thank you that we are real, we are radical, we are relevant. May your kingdom come in each and every one of us, because only then will it come in our communities. In your beautiful name. Thank you for listening. 